politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, what matters in the way it matters at the time it matters here at CR Podcast. Daniel Horowitz back today for Friday, February 24th. And I am so sad to see this week go because we are having such a good time here um, informing, educating. Look, we're going to make you angry. We're going to make you sad. We're going to make you terrified. But we're also going to keep you informed and empowered, giving you the tools to do the right thing, to get involved. We're already making a difference in state legislatures. We have a lot of other plans in the hopper. Um And that's what we really tried to do with the rise of the Fourth Reich. I'm hearing from a lot of people, the feedback is, man, I followed you closely, I knew all this really, but boy, did this make me angry. But it also made me empowered. And that's the goal. That's the goal. It's those two elements. If you look at the mainstream fake conservative movement, those are the two elements missing. Anger and empowerment, and the two are related, because if you really are pained and saddened and angered by what's going on, it would spawn you to action. It's not like you'll sit back and, you know, dip your toe in, suck your thumb, hey, you know, this is nice commentary, oh yeah, the the, the Democrats this, and uh, Trump this, and the political soap opera that, you'd be bothered by this and spawn to action, and this is what I cannot relate to. Uh, when it comes to some of my colleagues, but we are all about action here. We have Gabriel Jordan left us a review on Amazon for Rise of the Fourth Reich. Time cannot heal this wound. Above all, this book is a reminder. It's so easy to let time go on and forget what insanity we all went through. After all, we just want normalcy again, right? But we cannot let this go. This book is a clarion call to wake you up and remind you The level of tyranny that was, in many places still is, and that if nothing is done, is surely still to come. You'll cry, you'll be enraged, and hopefully you'll be inspired to take action. You know, if I have to have a contest for the best summation of the book in one paragraph, that's that's it. And that's what we're trying to do. And and the show as well, our daily shows, columns, you can see them at Conservative Review and The Blaze. Follow me on Twitter at rmconservative. This is really where it's at. They're they're pimping, by the way, they're pimping the bird flu. Sud- suddenly it uh, transfers over to mammals. And boy, are they talking about this. You wonder if this is their next uh, play. It's one of them. I'm not 100% sure which one it is. This, Marburg's, who knows? But we got to be prepared. And it's shocking. I'm watching all these states. Education freedom. Education. Like, And again, mainly I don't disagree with that issue. But how is that astroturfed? And this is nothing. It's not even on the, on the docket. Often we're the first ones. Our legislative strike force teams are the first ones getting these bills introduced. And most of them aren't passing yet. It's just truly shocking. So it's all the more of an affirmation of the need to do what we're doing. The need to do this. It is so, so strong. So a couple of uh, points I want to make. Number one, you could join our Florida team. Um, Florida is getting into session. 
um, the week after next. So this is going to be a very important session to shoot for the moon. We've never had such a mandate to do so many good things on so many fronts as we do in Florida today. Uh, we got Len and Jen Cabrera uh, who are running that team. So if you want to sign up for the team, go to conaction.network. You can always email me as well, Horowitz at starmail.com, and I can give over to Len and Jen. Um, they're also the publishers of the Alachua Chronicle. Okay, this is in Gainesville, and they're really a model of what I'm looking to do. We need to start conservative media that dogs local politics, local issue, well, national issues at a local level, and holds them accountable. Another interesting idea that that I'm going to work with our teams to do is, so part of the problem is you have half the Republicans, often two-thirds or three-quarters of the Republicans, in a given red state legislature voting <clears throat> for the most egregious things or against really important legislation that they should support, and nobody knows about it. We want to create a scorecard, you know, something that you could hand out in a PDF uh, and pass around the Internet everywhere, kind of like the top ten most important votes that were taken, and see exactly where they are. At the bottom, you have a, you have a description of the importance of each one. So these are the sorts of things we are looking to do. Um, we, we mean business. This is all about action. We're going to find every way imaginable to actually make a difference. So that's what we're going to do there. Also, before we go on, I do want to highlight one important bill I'm going to touch on next week. Tennessee House Bill 727. Or I'm sorry, 726. It's a, a nullification bill. It is the most detailed process for, for basically how to reject federal actions and it rejects it whether it's Congress, whether it's the executive branch, and importantly, whether it's the federal judiciary. If we believe this is unconstitutional and we use the text, the Federalist Papers, the ratification debates to make that argument and articulate it, the state legislature could do it, the governor could do it, the state courts could do it. It empowers the people of the state to petition or I think 20 counties to get together and petition the legislature and the legislature has to review it. This is what constitutional decompartmentalism is and my view of the Constitution is not judicial supremacism, not federal supremacy. That's only if what the feds are doing is constitutional, so then yes, it could trump state law. But if it's not in pursuance thereof of the constitution, then it's null and void. Well, who gets to determine that? And the answer is there's no one branch because if if you had that answer, you don't have limited government. You don't have separation of powers. He who laughs last laughs best, right? It's all of the people together, and this is the best articulation of it. Beautifully written really a big fan of it. The only thing I don't like is I just don't like using the word nullification because that presupposes that it's like we're the ones nullifying. No, they're nullifying our constitution and frankly our existence. We're simply declaring ourselves a constitutional sanctuary from their nullification. So that's just the terminology. Um, I don't like presupposing that because what they're doing is null and void on its own. 
people who disagree with nullification is more in terms of like John C. Calhoun, when he opposed the tariff set by Congress, he felt it was unfair. He felt it was punitive to, to the southern states. Now, it might be unfair, but the bottom line is tariffs are an enumerated power of Congress. That is a properly exercised power. That's where the supremacy clause comes in. So you don't like it. You're nullifying it, whether you believe you could do that or not. What we're saying is what they're doing to our body, what they're doing with the global warming regulations, taking away our cars, our lives, they have no authority to do this. If a state would, certainly the feds wouldn't have that power. And obviously, when it comes to masking and your body, states don't have that authority either. And we need to affirm that once and for all. Now, a good introduction into our special guest today, um, Marianne D- Demasi, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize, PhD. Uh, she has a substack, um, D E M A S I, Marianne reports Whatever happened to Pfizer's COVID vaccine trial in pregnant women? So again, the the biggest takeaway people find from the book is that, oh, this had to have been done on purpose. And you don't even need to look towards what did happen. It's still happening after everything we know. So to this day, they are pumping the most dangerous juice (coughs) that affects reproductive organs, particularly, but every organ. It doesn't work. It's dangerous as anything. It's killed more people than anything ever. And it's foisted upon pregnant women to this day without a study. We don't have women take uh, Advil because it wasn't properly studied in pregnant women. Again, fun fact, one of the only things that are on label to be used for pregnant women, hydroxychloroquine because of lupus. Anyway, they promised to do a study in February of this year. No, 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 I'm sorry. Two years ago, February 2021. And remember, there were no human trials. By the way, there was an animal trial of just 22 rats in in each. I think the 22 injected, 22 saline. And um, we now know from a FOIA request to the TGA in, that's, that's the Australian FDA, They actually found that the vaccine led to statistically significant doubling in fetal loss. So it was about 10% in the um, RNA, the mRNA group of rats and 4% in the saline. But nonetheless, Pfizer concluded that the difference was not biologically meaningful. I mean, again, this is the the Joseph Mengele. They're doing it on purpose. So anyway, they promised to do a trial. And guess what? Whatever happened to it two years later, in a response to Marianne, they actually responded and said, enrollment rates declined significantly. We couldn't get enough enrollment. So basically, it's not done. Pfizer does not have a complete data set from the maternal immunization study. We have a scenario, folks, where many OBGs are are throwing women out of practices if they don't get it. This is like... This is mind-blowing. How is it, to this day, how do we not have every governor and every state legislature in a red state banning these shots at least on pregnant women and having the State Department of Health recommend against it? How does that happen? But guess what? Pfizer's bragging about their RSV shot. 
By the way, it's interesting. Moderna's RSV shot for seniors coming out. That's the one you know that's right in the hopper. That's an mRNA. The Pfizer one is for pregnant women to take for the fetus. And to this day, I can't see anywhere. Is it mRNA or is it not? I have to assume it is, but I can't say 100%. It's very interesting. They don't really say. If you could find that anywhere, let me know. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. But I want to get to our special guest, very, very special guest. Our, our interview is sponsored today, very appropriately, by Jace Case. Um, from Jace Medical, they provide five life-saving antibiotics for you to have on hand for emergency use. Uh, we talked about yesterday how there's a provision in the omnibus bill that seems to give the FDA authority to ban use of of products and possibly therapeutics off-label. It's unbelievable. They are as they accelerate the bioterrorism of their dangerous products on us and viruses, and gain a function, they're going to continue doing what we warned about in the book. Duh, why aren't we stopping this? Um, They're going to block life-saving stuff, because again, why would you block life-saving stuff? Well, the same reason you would create the virus to begin with. Well, you want to kill people. The same reason you create a deadly vaccine, you want to kill people. So obviously, you're going to block the ability of doctors and patients to get a hold of things that help. That's why you need to prepare. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code review at checkout, you go and um, fill out a questionnaire so you could uh, get a prescription from their licensed physicians there. Uh, it includes doxycycline, azithromycin, amoxicillin. Um, I forget there's two others in there as well. Remember, 18 of 21 critical antibiotics and 72% of the precursor ingredients are made overseas, mainly in China and India. We have major supply chain problems. Get it now for when you need it. JaceMedical.com, offer code REVIEW. So folks, you are in for a real treat today. A new guest we've never had before, Dr. Robert Chandler. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of things, a lot of evidence we've been talking about, and we've been spending the last two weeks on this. I do want to return to some other issues Next week, Congress is going to be back in session. We have the evidentiary hearing of that Arizona rancher today. We got illegal immigration issues. We got state legislative issues. We got presidential race stuff. There's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, what could be more important than something injected in the bodies of 5.5 billion people in this world, about 240 million in America, really almost every adult, and certainly adult over um, over 40 And it is associated with almost every ailment known to man, and we estimate millions of deaths globally, tens of millions of serious injuries, and this is just the short term. And yet we are in this situation more than two years into it, and there is no effort to take it off the market, just the opposite. There's no effort to study its pathophysiology of the injuries and how we could detect and treat this. There's no good explanations for that. Now, we have a lot of evidence. We have all sorts of macroepidemiological data. We have the disability data and medical billing and life insurance and uh, case studies and academic studies, all sorts of things. But there's only really one group that has done so far the uh, analysis on the strongest body of evidence, and that is to do actual pathology through autopsies, um, histopathology, 
uh, with all sorts of advanced methods to actually trace, like like forensics, how did these people die who died of spike protein, died of the mRNA? What what did it do to them? And what does that mean for the living? So there's this group, Dr. Arne Burkhardt in, in Germany is working with, uh, with uh, eight pathologists that he's actually doing these autopsies. And this is really the biggest piece of news on this front. And there's one man who has been trying to distill it for the public. So Dr. Robert Chandler, he wrote one of those reports for Daily Clout. We talked about them with Dr. Naomi Wolf last week. It's Report 56, Autopsies Reveal Medical Atrocities of Genetic Therapies Being Used Against the Respiratory Virus. Again, Daily Cloud. But it's it's hard. It's hard for a layman. It's very detailed because he didn't want to do a shoddy job on it. And I figured we'd bring him on to discuss this forensics, what he's analyzed. Um, and he's not part of the Burkhardt group, but he's spending his time analyzing them. First, just real quick, Dr. Chandler um, after graduating from uh, Stanford University and then Northwestern Medical School, he was a uh, a board certified orthopedic surgeon and 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 did orthopedics for almost a half a century. I mean, talk about a national treasure! People that became doctors before the fall of medicine and have so much experience, so much knowledge, so much discernment, and we're losing them. We're losing them very quickly. Um, some have bought into this, some are apathetic, and they just retired or are done. And in his retirement, he wants to use his experience to actually speak out and study this stuff and and uh, really give over the truth. So he's doing such a national service. Um, and, and also, make sure, I, I, I'm embarrassed I haven't been following this, but he has a Substack, Robert Chandler, very simple, Robert Chandler and Substack. It is a must, must read. Very, very comprehensive on many aspects of this. So now we get him in the flesh today. Dr. Chandler, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, excellent uh, intro. I, I'm very impressed with your knowledge. I, I'm not familiar with you. I just bought your book without knowing you, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm very impressed. It, it tells me that lay people, and I don't know what your background is, Daniel, but I am very impressed, and I think... He's a uh, example that anybody that's interested in diving into this stuff, it's intimidating. There's a lot of nomenclature, yes. uh, but this project that I'm working on is, is visual. And for visual learners looking at patterns and colors, you're going to shine here. And this document, number 56, really is uh, to be uh, used as a tool uh, not to be read straight through, but look at the introduction, which gives you some background in histology, the, the study of tissues and cells, histopathology, which is abnormal tissue and cells. And to facilitate this learning, I put in a guide that you can pull up on the internet. Anytime you look at a slide and you're not sure whether it's normal or abnormal, you can pull up a normal and then compare. And next is a, a list of um, Dr. Um, uh, Burkhart's findings. There's about 66 uh, figures and diagrams, a lot of uh, histopathology. Then at the very end, I have a couple case studies to illustrate how uh, autopsies lead to determination of causation 
But once you understand causation, particularly in the context of novelty, and Daniel, we're talking about novelty here, and, and one of my overall conclusions is that we have a whole new set of diseases that we need to explore and come up with treatments for. And that's the next piece of the autopsy and the cystopathology analysis, giving insight into how to counteract the effects of spike in the mRNA. So that gives you an idea how to approach uh, number 56 here. So that's number 56. Before we get into the key findings, and these are visual slides of actual tissue that was pulled out of bodies um, that were requested by families of people who died suddenly and they uh, suspected it was of the of the shots, and this this is real. You know, they always say, Daniel, there's no there's no causation, prove causation. It's only correlation. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's all the data, and we can if we don't have autopsies. Well, here they are. So you've been in, an, analyzing this. Can you just give just just a background of what this body of work encompasses? You know, just just the numbers, the time frame, what they're trying to do, how they got a hold of it the circumstances of, of their deaths, just so we have a picture before we delve into, again, the histopathology of how this thing is likely damaging so many organs. Yes, certainly. Uh, uh, Dr. Burkhart was easing into retirement when the uh, uh, pandemic began and people started having friends and family members uh, die of, of strange maladies. Uh, and all of these cases that had previous autopsies uh, that returned inconclusive findings or natural causes, whatever that is. Uh, and people then went to Dr. Burkhart, who had a fabulous reputation, long, long career in Germany, 150 articles. So he was well established, particularly in forensic work, looking at legal causation. So people started bringing uh, specimens to him for analysis, and he assembled this group. It was eight originally, uh, and now it's up to 10. And they have uh, not only pathologists, but uh, scientists like uh, biologists and physicists to to explore this mystery. And I, I think this is probably uh, the foremost collection of carefully analyzed histopathology uh, material that, that certainly I can find. Now, we, we've turned the uh, uh, Daily Clout team uh, loose to scour uh, the internet to tr- try to find more cases and case studies, and we're planning to compile all of that data into a series of articles. And in fact, I'm working on uh, a, an update to the Burkhart series right now. So, so I want to go through as many organ systems as we can that are, um, you know, shown through the visual of these tissue samples and your analysis of it. So reproductive, obviously, we, we just mentioned earlier, and I know you and I were emailing about this. To this day, there are women nurses working in healthcare that are forced to get this shot. You have OBGs that are forcing women in their practice to get it, or they'll kick them out to this day. Over two years into this, Pfizer admitted in an email letter um, from one doctor saying, hey, we don't have any data. We don't, we don't have any data. The study we worked on is not there. So to this day, they don't have a study. But we do have tissue samples. We do have data. What, what do you know 
about the potential for spike protein to mess up the reproductive organs? Well, Dr. Burkhart has done some very careful analysis more on the male side. He's looked at testicle biopsies. And it's quite remarkable because not only is there a decline in the number of immature sperm uh, cells, but uh, they're coded in the spike protein. And in his second, the updated version, which uh, hopefully get posted uh, in the next week or so, he advises a woman, it's remarkable, and I'm not quite sure how to take this, but he advises any woman who is preparing to start a family to find a male who has not been vaccinated. And you think, whoa, I, <laughs> that's pretty profound. So uh, we know it affects uh, the testes. Uh, I'm still looking for some uh, specimens of ovaries and uh, uteri. Um, hopefully, uh, I can chase some down. I heard Dr. Uh, Drew mention uh, the fact that he looked at some specimens. Uh, and I was preparing to uh, get in touch with Dr. Drew to see if I can add those to this collection. So that's that's where we are and where we're going with this project. And I expect and what do you find? So so what what do you see in the testes? You see like a dangerous concentration of the spike. Yes, you see uh, the number of cells are way down compared to normal. So uh, you're probably aware of the Israeli study that found decreased motility. Yeah, motility and counts. So it's a double whammy. And uh, this uh, set of uh, histopathology slides uh, of the testis uh, shows why that is. The, the germ cells, the maturation of the sperm are just declined. They're massively decreased. Uh, and the ones that are there are heavily uh, uh, involved with the spike protein. So, so you're saying when all of us journalists that got kicked off and censored and got hit with a fact check for promoting that Israeli study, you you have here in these slides from Dr. Burkhardt the visual that lends credence to that those studies' findings. Absolutely, and uh, this will be in Burkhardt too, if you will. Uh, uh, I'll post these within a week. And uh, you can see for yourself what it does to the testes. And I will put some normals in there so you can see the difference. It's kind of like, this is going to be a gestalt, but imagine a slice of watermelon before you eat it and after you eat it. You're down to the rind. And I think you'll, you'll get that sense when you look at these slides. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it makes it pretty clear. And again, it's not like anyone, see, data everyone could play games with. No, this is false. This is right. No one's refuting this, and no one's trying to do autopsies to show, uh, to disprove this. They just don't want to do any autopsies. So, you know, the, the warning is that, that male fertility is really the sleeper issue. Obviously, some of the male sexual um, disorders are showing up in VAERS. And that is something that's going to be very, very hard to detect over over the years. But, you know, you do wonder if that's accounting for some of the uh, just unnatural reduction across the board in 
in uh, birth rates around Europe, around many, many countries that are associated with high levels of, of COVID shots. Um, but as far as females, obviously we've seen the menstrual stuff, the, the, the fact that we know the lipid nanoparticles deposit in the ovaries. I was wondering if you have, and this is a little bit off topic, I want to get back to your report, but is there a sense of why almost every single survey study analysis shows women are so much more prone than men to injury from the shot? Is it just because, as we always like to say, women are so complicated? Well, um, yeah, complicated or different. They, they have a different set of organs and they have a process, a monthly process, that's highly vascular. And, and recall that one of the underlying core pathologies of mRNA therapy is attack on the vascular system. So you have this monthly cycle that involves uh, accumulation and release of vascular vascularized tissue and substances. So you basically have this vascular machine, which is part of the monthly hormonal cycle. And since this uh, construct, this uh, lipid nanoparticle mRNA construct is preferentially attacks the uh, over, I shouldn't say attack, it concentrates in the ovaries compared to the testes, that may be the core physiology that's tied in with the monthly hormonal cycle, which is largely a vascular procedure or process. Mm. So you're saying the fact that we know one of the top targets, if not the top target, is the fact that this sticks to the, the spike protein, sticks to the endothelium. It really screws up the lining of your blood vessels, so it could be maybe women are more prone. I mean, who knows, but clearly all the evidence does show. We just have that European Medicines Agency uh, paper that is out on their pharmacovigilance showing women, what, what was it, three to one? Um, adverse events were skewed towards women? Yes, and I sent you uh, the substack I prepared on this matter. Uh, it was about 72% uh, complications, uh, adverse events uh, in, in women. Uh, and in the uh, table uh, 5.3.6, this is a Pfizer document, folks. These are available to you on the Internet, or you can go to my substack where I've abstracted the data uh, so you can just look at the numbers, but there were 29,914 adverse events in women compared with 9,182 in men. And this is in uh, the Pfizer confidential document 5.3.6 table one. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's definitely something that's weird because usually in medicine, you don't find such a imbalance between the sexes on something like that, um, and and that might also give us some insight into how this works. I'm 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 looking through your, you know, the slides that you post. All the slides are there. This is this is unbelievable, uh, what you put together. So I want to go through some of the most concerning organ systems um, of of what of what has been found in these slides. Could you describe the lymphocytic buildup? Um, you know, even the media has reported from day one that a massive percentage, something like fifteen to twenty percent of people have some sort of swelling in their lymph nodes. Um, obviously, there has been a bunch of case studies written on these turbocharged lymphoma, these 
sudden tumors, some of them even benign and not even cancerous, some of them cancerous. What sort of um, histopathology that are you seeing that might lend credence to concerns that Dr. Ryan Cole has been putting out for the last year and a half about turbocharged cancers and specifically um, in, in, the, in the lymphocytes? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a tremendously important uh, area of research because lymphocytes seem to be one of the core mechanisms of injury here. Uh, the uh, slides that you look at in the Burkhart uh, collection repeatedly show accumulations of angry-looking lymphocytes. And recall that when you receive this injection into your deltoid, it basically splits and goes into two circulations. The one is very familiar, which is the vascular system. The second is the lymphatic. And the lymphatics drain into the lymph nodes. And uh, you cited in your uh, recent article, the Rolkin story, a study from Stanford, where they showed those germinal centers, which are the lymph nodes in the uh, armpit, if you will, get activated. They just look, they look angry. And they compared them to... Mm the lymph nodes in patients with uh, COVID, which does just the opposite. It depletes those germinal centers. So there's a fundamental difference. And I would speculate, postulate, hypothesize that the shot that goes through the bloodstream and settles into various organs starts producing spike proteins, which then attracts these angry lymphocytes that preferentially attack spike that's in the blood vessels, but also goes into the organs itself. I mean, in a real layman's kind of visual here, aren't you describing that you're you're taking a mechanism that codes your cells all over your body? It uses the two main transportation systems, the the blood system and the lymphatic system, to get into every inch of your body. And it basically starts a war with your immune system wherever it goes. Yeah, let me, let me just uh, build on that with this analogy. Uh, in, in the military, in the Army, a scout will go out and put out a, a laser targeting device uh, indicating where a target is to be followed by an F-18 that fires a missile at that target. Uh, I think that might be what's going on here is that these activated lymphocytes become hunter-killer lymphocytes that then go and hunts down spike protein wherever it settles. So basically, you know, usually in the military that works, but sometimes you hear these notorious stories where, you know, they'll blow up a sensitive location. So that's kind of what this is here. Collateral damage. Um, collateral damage it could light it up anywhere in your body and and that really speaks to me because again you don't need to look under the hood that an average person doesn't see that it just this is out in the open it, it's one of the most common complaints reports of aes from the shots is is those you know lymph nodes uh in that part of the body swelling up people see lumps develop there and even the media has reported on that and that is very scary what's coming down the pike so um, what what other organ systems concern you based on these slides? Well, well, one of the things that 
characterizes this category of diseases, and I think we just have to recognize a VAX category of diseases, is multi-organ involvement. One of Dr. Burkhart's uh, subjects had five different organs involved. And of course, the ones that are very concerning are the heart, the brain, the blood vessels because of clotting and bleeding. Uh, but the, the, the pattern to recognize, particularly if folks are going to look at having autopsies done with the special stains that are necessary, is to look at this pattern of organs. And I counted a dozen organs in the Burkhart series, anything from brain, heart, kidney, liver, lungs, lymph nodes, salivary glands, skin, spleen, testis, thyroid, and vascular system. That's pretty pretty extensive list. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the thing we hear a lot about these days is the myositis, which is uh, definitely a key feature of this set of illnesses. Um, yeah, I mean, there's almost nothing it doesn't attack. Is there a reason why these blood clots um, seem to have an affinity for the lungs that attacks the lungs? I I never really heard of pulmonary emboli that common anywhere until recently. Well, pulmonary, particularly in orthopedic surgery, pulmonary emboli is something we have to live with because it's a, it's a complication of hip replacements, particularly mm. hip, hip fractures. And um, having clots that form in the pelvic veins can travel to the lungs. And, and that's something that uh, surgeons have to manage postoperatively. And they got pretty good at it. So, so the hip surgery is not bothered so much by uh, these blood clots they, like they were in the early days. But that's relatively uncommon, isolated type things. You can have spontaneous clots in spontaneous pulmonary emboli. Uh, and there's a number of reasons that, that may occur, but overall, it's pretty rare. And uh, it looks like uh, it's one of the fundamental pathologies, though, in this set of vaccine-related maladies. And, and it definitely was an issue with COVID itself. I guess it seems like the spike protein um, does attack the lungs of the of the pathogen itself. Um, so in this case, when you have an uncontrolled production of the spike, it's not a coincidence that, you know, you're going to have similar symptoms to COVID, you know, the deadly form of COVID that we saw. So, I mean, I'm just looking here. And, folks, you need to go through, again, um, Report 56. Just put into your browser, Report 56, Daily Cloud, Dr. Chandler, and it goes organ by organ with tissue samples of it there. So this is not speculation or an abstract study. Um this is real, real life proof. And I'm just take I'm blown away by this. I have not read the whole thing. I've skipped around. Um, why? I always thought that blood clots were almost always in the veins. Why do we seem to be seeing them at, in the arteries fresh out of the heart? Um, the, the reason is... Uh... The, the traditional uh, reason for having blood clots is uh, turbulent flow or trauma, a set of things that affect the veins uh, predominantly. Uh, the spike protein affects walls of blood vessels, which includes arteries and veins. So uh, there's a much more profound involvement in the vascular system 
with this uh, spike protein. And, and Dr. Burkhart, particularly in, in uh, I think, the second uh, group of uh, slides that I'm working on, uh, illustrates how the uh, damage to the blood vessel, the inner lining, which we call the endo or inner thelium lining, endothelium, is affected by the spike protein and the possible autoimmune response. And he illustrates a rather remarkable discovery where cholesterol crystals show up in tissues like the spleen, these spindle, needle-shaped, tablet-shaped cholesterol crystals, which he thought initially might be coming from the injection itself, since cholesterol is part of the uh, uh, LMT uh, mRNA preparation, but is not enough volume there. So what what they uh, ended up deciding was uh, people have this collection of cholesterol and other material inside their uh, the walls of their arteries, and what the uh, uh, the spike does with the immune response is it destroys that inner lining that's on top of these atheroma or cholesterol collections in an artery, and it releases all of that debris into the blood vessel, which then goes into the organs. And that's where the crystal, the, the cholesterol crystals come from. Meanwhile, that leaves a defect in the arterial wall which can continue to tunnel all the way through to the outer wall, in which case you have just a, a bleed, an arterial bleed, or it gets partway through and because an artery is a high-pressure vessel, it starts splitting the muscular layer and you get an aneurysm. And both of these are associated with the uh, uh, spike-induced uh, 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 uh vaccines, uh, spike-inducing vaccines. I know several young people that had sudden aneurysms uh, or other forms of brain bleeds, different things. I mean, this really does seem to be very common. Um, this is the dead. This is the study of the dead. These are tissue samples from autopsies. Obviously, this is concrete evidence. Now we're going to move over to speculation, but it's much needed and deserves speculation of looking forward, if this is what you see in the dead, and we know so many have died and so many are injured, it, it, what are your biggest concerns headed forward um, in terms of people being ticking time bombs for pathologies that could lead to death or disability um, that they might not know about yet and maybe have not outwardly experienced it yet um, in terms of symptomology, but headed forward, it could possibly be a time bomb? Well, that's a that's a great point. Since we know there's multiple organs involved, and from the uh, Burkhart series, we know that uh, the onset of symptoms related to some of these changes we're talking about can be anything from seven days to 180 days. And in the second uh, group of uh, specimens, uh, it goes out to eight months. Uh, so uh, there's a timeline here. It doesn't all happen at once. It involves multiple organs. They have different time frames. Uh, and you have a situation that may be layering of these pathologies in terms of severity as well as time. 
So you might start off with a vasculitis. You could progress to uh, a uh, type of uh, vascular uh, structural problem like an aneurysm uh, or potentially uh, have uh, one of these turbo cancers that people are starting to report. And what, what about autoimmune diseases? Isn't it possible that those could take time to develop? Yes, definitely. Autoimmunity is a fascinating process. The, the term doesn't exactly tell you what's going on, but basically your body attacks itself. And there's a set of diseases that are well-known, well-treated, things like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus erythematosus, ankylosing spondylitis, that are autoimmune in nature and have some very effective treatments, by the way. But what, what one of the underlying processes that uh, the pathology slides uh, reinforce is this autoimmunity. The body attacks itself. So the body starts producing a foreign protein. It then attracts the uh, defense mechanism, which doesn't recognize that protein and attacks it in the tissue surrounding it. That's that's World War Three, you know, playing out all over your body, uncontrolled fashion, unstudied. Um, like you said, a new set of illnesses that we have to now learn and and get used to. This is very very scary. I want I want to kind of culminate this to a broad thirty. If you can give us a broad thirty thousand foot view of mRNA, and I'm going to frame it in terms of. So a lot of people focus on the spike protein because the spike protein is a toxin. Um, the CEO of Moderna, Bansel, he made sure to slip in the fact that the RSV shots he plans on coming out with very soon. Uh, they don't have spike protein. It doesn't utilize that that protein because it, it's a different uh, virus. So don't worry. There's no there's no problems. It's interesting that that's a tacit admission that the COVID shots were a problem. But looking for the flu, um, you know RSV, they want to do with Nipa, Zika, Marburg. I mean, you you mentioned it. They got I think 15 mRNAs from Moderna in the pipeline at some level of development. What would be the concerns about those headed forward even without the spike protein? A spike is just one side of uh, the situation, the pathologies here. You have the uh, constituents of the lipid nanoparticle, including the PEG or the uh, uh, polyethylene glycol, which is antifreeze. So you have some industrial solvents mm. in, in the lipid nanoparticle. But you have also the mRNA, and I think the complex cellular events represented by the lymphocytes and in other specimens, we're seeing eosinophils and monocytes. We have to know what the mRNA is doing to the immune system and not this, you've got neutralizing antibodies, which to me is, is a bunch <laughs> of flack. Uh, what what uh, reprogramming, because this is genetic code, folks. It, it's like randomly uh, putting code into your PC. It's going to work differently, possibly. It may shut down. Sure. Uh, sure. We, we have to understand when this goes into uh, the lymph node or an organ and starts producing things, what exactly does it produce and what are the implications of that uh, protein production 
And in order to study the process, I would say stop mRNA injections. You've got enormous clinical uh, data out there. Let us let the doctors analyze it. Let's get some research going. Let's find a cure for uh, these uh, vaccine-related illnesses, and then maybe go on. I, I think the potential for uh, this type of therapy is good, but gosh, I think the, the hubris here thinking you understand completely a system as complicated as the immune yes. system is just uh, uh, striking. And again, the promise of that therapy, there's a difference between saying you have a terminally ill cancer patient and you want to find something that goes like a garlic shaker, goes to every corner of the body potentially to fight metastatic cancer versus saying, I'm going to take every human being in the world and, and preemptively uh, you know, use it as a vaccine and put it in every body. I mean, that's a whole nother threshold of of uh, safety you need on that to and, and just cost-benefit rationale, it, it's shocking. And just to take your analogy uh, further again, you, you referenced that, you know, neutralizing antibodies, that's the new thing, immunobridging, we compare antibody levels. So isn't that like saying, hey, I have a telescope of the battlefield, I see some soldiers and guns present. Okay, <laughs> but what was the outcome? Did, yeah. it, did it defeat the enemy and did it not you know, cause friendly fire and, and blow up good things. Isn't that kind of the analogy there? Yeah. Or, or what, the, what they're seeing with these neutralizing antibodies are such a small aspect of the immune system. And uh, these products have, they're not natural products. So when they say it produces spike protein, not really. The mRNA in these injections is not natural. There's an artificial nucleoside or nucleotide in the mRNA that's never been in humans. It's the one in methyl pseudouridine. Uh, it was put in there to prolong the life of mRNA, not, uh, not knowing how long it was going to prolong it, but it's, <laughs> but it's there and we know it prolongs it quite a while. In fact, People are trying to figure out how long exactly. And that's one of the key differences between spike from the vaccine and spike from the disease. In the disease, you fight COVID, you get over it, and the spike factory shuts down. With these injections, the spike factories turned on, and we're not yet aware of when the whole machinery from mRNA to these various proteins, and they're not all spike proteins. There's a variety of things that are produced. That needs to be analyzed. So we need a moratorium. We need an intense re research effort to follow up on some of the leads that have come out of the Burkhart series. Do you have anything looking forward that you're anticipating that would come out that would shed more light on some of these questions um, you know, as we close out here, what are some of the research projects that you think are vital uh, to building on this work? Well, there's some effort uh, to uh, try to identify um, medications to, to start treating spike-related diseases. And the one that's hot this week is called natokinase. I, I have, have a stack of articles to, to look at. Uh, but we need to get back early in the process and, and study people 
as a function of time from their last injection to understand the time course of this illness and try to figure out how to get it as early as possible before you have these vascular changes and the changes in the lymphocytes. We want to try to shut it down so it doesn't, uh, or focus it so it, it simply attacks COVID and not uh, tissue and organs. It's just astounding we're having this conversation of, okay, is it this level of a violation of Nuremberg Code or that <laughs> level? And and, t- and two years later, it's still, I mean, they're accelerating this. Yeah. No, I mean, not nothing changes, but that's our job. It's because of people like you that give us the confidence to take that science to our legislatures and, and make this difference. And we're certainly working on the Idaho bill to get mRNA kicked out of the state. Um, so, again, I really thank you for coming. I encourage everyone to go to robertchandler.substack. You'll find an amazing clearinghouse of information. And again, all of this, just just comb through the slides on uh, Report 56, Autopsies Reveal Medical Atrocities of Genetic Therapies at Daily Cloud. Dr. Chandler, thanks so much for joining us, and I'm sure this will not be your last time. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. God bless. All right, folks. Could you sleep well now? Um, is that enough? And and here's the thing about Dr. Chandler. I mean, notice he's retired. Okay, he has nothing to gain by this. He has everything to lose. He doesn't want to spend time with his grandkids. No dog in the fight. And again, very well respected, both on the clinical side, academic side of um, orthopedics for literally almost a half a century. I mean, this is this is a real real treasure. And uh, that's what it takes. I mean, him versus these other people that are all bought out by Pfizer. They're on TV. They never treat patients. And the unique thing about what he said is there's not a single thing that they can dispute or indeed even do dispute. Just get it. Shut up. Like, it's not like they're producing autopsies and saying, eh, no, 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 you're looking at it wrong. It doesn't really deposit in the testes. It's not really doing this. And, And again... What's amazing is that you have the abstract studies, you have the physical slides from the autopsies, and then you have the symptomology linked to it that we're seeing everywhere reported and reflected in every data source, macro, micro, you know, survey, pharmacovigilance. It's everywhere. It all fits together as one piece of the pie. Again, the only question is, is it, you know, so millions die, tens of millions seriously injured. It's a question of, if you stop the shots today and not a single person gets it, how many more people will die and experience long-term injury as a result? That's the only question at this point. And yet still, this thing is shoved on people. It, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's out of control. Then again, I mean, you just saw in Ohio today, kind of bouncing back and forth with that analogy with East Palestine, the Ohio government just said they estimate 35,000 fish and wildlife died from the explosion, from the chemicals. Well, if if 35,000 died, how in the world could you definitively assert at this point that the people within that zone, and we don't even know how big that zone should be, are somehow okay? And that would be if they weren't experiencing symptoms, which a lot of them did already. And still, we're debating over derailments and what caused it, not to this day, getting them out. I still don't understand why that's the... Not the issue, you know, at least offering to pay for them to be removed while they're doing cleanup, which 
you know, further poses risk of diffusing the chemicals into or, or um, you know, aerosolizing the the toxins into the air. Um, at least during that period, you want to get them out. But you know, that's the thing. It's not a matter of what they knew and when they knew it. We know that and we prove that. But it's what they know right now and what they're doing right now and are going to continue to do unless we stop them. And this stuff is important. Um, next week, we're going to go back to more brass tacks on politics. But I wanted to spend this time this week focusing again on some of the science of it. Uh, but ultimately, that alone is not going to do anything. You, you could come out and say this thing's going to give everyone cancer. It won't matter. You need blunt force at a local level, county level, state level. We're going to continue doing this. Again, purchase a, a pair of books, a spare of books, Rise of the Fourth Right. Give us a five-star rating if you believe it is deserving of such on Amazon um, for now. And folks, what a terrific week. You guys are really making this one of the fastest growing shows. And and again, um, I, I just want to, I'm so humbled by some of you saying you've purchased so many books to your friends that people are now out there trying to follow up and adopt uh, legislators to, to send this book to. We were the number five bestseller in non-fiction uh, hardcover on the Wall Street Journal list. Um and that includes things that are like, you know, the 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 four ahead of us. One was Harry, what's his name? Prince Harry's book. So, yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to always sell a million books. And then the other three are more like lifestyle, you know, you know, 10 ways to improve your sex life or something. I mean, not, but it's not literally that, but those type of books. So it, this is really the number one book in its genre uh, by by a mile. And it's all because of you. We have not been on a single cable show. Um, you guys just, you know, bought this with such a degree of intensity that just within our own sphere of influence, helped by people like Glenn Beck and Dan Bongino, we've really, really gotten this done. Let's keep the momentum rolling, not just for the book's sake, but really for the cause. This is not something that we can just walk away from. Just for the people that took it, that were injured, to shut it down for the future, to shut down the surveillance, the blocking of treatments, the creation of viruses, the creation of, of deadly vaccines. We cannot live if this continues. Folks, next week we're going to have a, another fun week, more great guests, more great knowledge, empowerment. Let your blood boil. Let your emotions roll over. Use that to harness it for action. Hope you have a terrific weekend. Till next week. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.